This is Prayer Amid Pandemic, a podcast to encourage and sharpen the church through telling stories of Christians whose faith were shaped by sickness and by praying with fellow believers around the world. I'm Morgan Lee. The village of Eam sits about 30 miles east of Manchester in the UK, and according to the 2011 British census, it has less than 1,000 residents. But during the 17th century, this unassuming town was hit by the bubonic plague. In the coming months, it killed dozens of residents. And then, just when town leaders thought the crisis had abated, it struck again. Well, we've got to remember that this is, this is we're looking at 1665, 1666 for this incident. And this is the same plague that's been coming in waves for over 300 years by this stage. It first breaks out in the 1340s. Matthew Nell is the program leader and lecturer in historical theology and church history at the London School of Theology. Um, so people know the danger and it has killed countless hundreds of thousands, probably millions by this stage. Uh, in this particular instance, when it comes in 1665, it hits London and a lot of uh, England, and we reckon by the time it hits Eam, uh, already probably about 50,000 people have died uh, across the country. Um, and then, as you say, Eam, this little village, uh, quaint little village uh, in the Peak District, very beautiful area uh, in the centre of England, uh, experiences the plague uh, and has to confront uh, the fact that uh, a number of people are going to die of the plague. And that's, so that's the, the kind of major context that we are looking at. So one of the things that I've really appreciated about doing this podcast is getting a sense of how Christians have theologically responded to some of these outbreaks over time. And I'm curious, what types of responses did the church have to the bubonic plague? Uh, I think there are no, a couple of uh, major aspects which uh, broadly work across all of the centuries of the plague and can also be seen in the particular case study of Eam. Two that I would highlight, just to, to keep the number down. The, the first is that the uncertainty of life in the plague leads to a greater devotion to God. Uh, and I think that's vitally important for the church today as our world has become very certain in the 21st century. Uh, we can program our, our years uh, in advance. Uh, and I think coronavirus has challenged us on that. The, the medieval life was more uncertain. But when plague happens, then the end is very much in sight. Uh, and this led people to, to massive um, acts of devotion to God. It's behind uh, a lot of the cathedral building uh, across Europe through the medieval period. Um, but it is a, a more fundamental reorientation of life to say that the things of this world cannot be depended on. Therefore, I need to depend on God because uh, that is my future. Uh, the, the second, I think, which I would uh, say is, is a major response of, of Christians across those centuries uh, is a sense of sacrifice uh, and a sacrifice that is centered on uh, an identity in community. This was not a, a society that held individualism very high uh, for a, a few reasons. One is because my individual future is anyway so uncertain because of the uncertainties of life uh, and the short lifespan. Um, but, but also because we exist fundamentally in community, in relationship with others. Uh, and so 
these kind of, uh, of disasters would, again, call on people to sacrifice themselves uh, for their families, for their neighbours, for their wider communities. Uh, and that's something, again, you see in the story of Eam. Well, let's get into the story of Eam. I teased it a little bit at the beginning, but from what I understand, there's a kind of almost popular myth that has arisen about Eam that maybe you can start with and then we can kind of get a better sense of what the actual story was. Yeah, the, the story which has come across, which people may have seen uh, in the US, I, I know it's been in the Washington Post in Britain, the BBC did an article on it and it, it's fairly standard stuff that confronted with uh, a growing uh, danger of the bubonic plague uh, that the town under the leadership of its uh, church leader, a guy called William Montpessant, uh, chose to self-isolate, to stay in the village, to suffer the consequences uh, of the plague running through Eam in order to protect the surrounding villages uh, from contracting the plague from people who would have gone out uh, from Eam. That's the, the, the popular uh, story that goes alongside it. Uh, William Montpessant is right at the centre of that. Uh, his children do leave. Uh, even in the, the popular tale, they go off to stay with relatives, but his wife, Catherine, stays with him uh, and she actually dies of the plague. Uh, I, th I think we need to move on from the, um, the, the kind of popularised narrative uh, back to the history. And there aren't any primary source uh, narratives that talk about Eames self-isolating. Uh, in fact, what evidence we have is to the contrary uh, of that. From a surrounding uh, villages, we have accounts that the city of Sheffield actually sent in some kind of guardsmen uh, to, uh, to, to control movement uh, in and out of Eam or prevent movement out of Eam in order to protect the surrounding uh, settlements. Uh, and so it, it does appear that uh, this isn't um, part of the historical fact. Rather, that's something that becomes a, a part of a growing uh, story about Eam that begins in sort of 1765, 1766, uh, from a family called the Sewells who begin to write it, about it. And then really from 1800, so almost 150 years after the plague, we suddenly have Eam taken up by uh, a group of people who are interested in protecting people from uh, the outbreak of disease, Eam starts to be held up as uh, an iconic example uh, of the benefits of isolation uh, in order to protect people. Uh, so I think the lessons that, that come from the Eam story are important because it was isolated. But uh, I, I think it, it is um, interesting to me that it did require not only the the will of the people within Eam to be isolated, but it, it did require um, the wider society to be involved uh, as well. The fact they didn't self-isolate doesn't in many ways take away from the fact that the, most of the people do seem to have stayed in Eam. Um, some people left, William Montpessant's children left uh, to go and stay with relatives. Uh, we think that a, a reasonable number of the more wealthy uh, seem to have left. Certainly, the death rate among the former wealthy inhabit inhabitants of Eam was much lower than it was uh, among the poorer uh, residents of Eam. Um, so some people do seem to have left the village, but the majority did stay and did uh, go through uh, the disastrous suffering, um, including one family, uh, one, one lady lost six children and her husband to the plague. Um, 
So, so I, I don't think all, all of this in any way mitigates the level of the suffering of the people of Eam, but I, I do think it's important to, to uh, affirm what is actual historical fact uh, and what is uh, later slightly romanticised fiction that builds up from 1800 onwards. I also think there's an interesting story to be said there when we think about the fact that it seems like a disproportionate number of the people that were poor were the ones that died and how sometimes we can be tempted to look at communities that end up suffering a lot from these things and almost see them as heroic or valorize them in some way without necessarily recognizing the fact that they did not have a choice in their situation. Yes, I think that's a very valid point. And and I think uh, at that point, uh, I'm always called to admire uh, the faith of those people, um, faith in God, yes, but also faith um, in the church uh, that seeks to minister to them. It challenges my view of faith where I'm often so critical, um, sometimes of God, certainly, but certainly of my, of my church leaders. Uh, and, and so that, I think, is important. But it, it must also, I hope, impel us to an action uh, to seek uh, a greater equality in our society, um, to, to, to reach out to, to the poor and the needy, uh, which the church throughout the centuries and still today, there are parts of it which are getting better, but we still have a, a lot of work to do uh, to, to love our neighbour as we are called to do. So what I hear you're saying is that the story over time turns into one that feels very self-sacrificial um, in the sense that Eam decides, according to this kind of telling of it, right, they decide to really just take a hit for their larger community. Yeah. And the way that you're challenging us to see it through historical research is that this was something that does happen but it doesn't happen in the sense of them choosing it on themselves it's something that is happening by larger authority figures yeah and uh, that yeah. but and by, by the 1660s the idea of isolating villages that were struck with the plague was something which we can see elsewhere uh, eam is not the only place to be isolated uh from outside events one of the things which which raises eam in to to, to become the iconic place is that we do have uh, a fairly unique set of primary sources right from the event uh, itself that kind of speak to us with uh, a, cl a clear voice of, of what it meant to go through um, the, the plague. And that that's what really is, is unique and what sets Eam up uh, to be hel heralded as this, this kind of type of what it meant to go through the plague. Are these primary sources worth reading? Is there anyone that you would yeah. like us yeah, to I hear from? So. I mean, the, the, the main primary source uh, is uh, are three letters written by Reverend William Montpesson, who is a man I mentioned earlier, uh, who ends up becoming the kind of hero of the, the modern tale. Um, it's important, I think, to mention also a, a man called Thomas Stanley, uh, who actually... Um, was the, the vicar uh, before uh, William Montpesson, uh, who Montpesson was brought in to replace in slightly acrimonious uh, circumstances. Uh, Stanley uh, didn't leave the area. He, he actually stayed around um, and even stayed through the, through the plague. The earliest 
sources after the, the secondary sources after the plague from the 1720s actually uh, praise Stanley more than they pra- praise Montpessant. But the, from the actual time itself, in addition to, to various uh, graves that uh, that mention uh, people who died during the plague, uh, and the inscriptions there are always interesting to read. We do have three letters by Montpessant uh, to various uh, people. Uh, the first was written to his children shortly after his wife died of the plague. Uh, the se- second was written to his benefactor, um, Sir George Saville, uh, again on, on the same circumstance. And the third was written to his uncle, uh, as the plague was leaving Eam. Uh, so from, from the first one, I think, as he writes to his children, it's obviously an incredibly uh, affecting uh, letter, but one of the, the passages which stood out to me was the confidence that uh, Montpessant had in where his wife has gone. Uh, the, the letter starts, This brings you the doleful news of your dearest mother's death, the greatest loss that could befall you. I am deprived of a kind and loving consort, and you are bereaved of the most indulgent mother that ever poor little children had. But we must comfort ourselves in God with this consideration. The loss is only ours. Our sorrow is her gain, which should sustain our drooping spirits. I assure myself that her rewards and her joys are unutterable. Dear children, your blessed mother lived a holy life and made a comfortable end, though by means of the sore pestilence and she is now invested with a crown of righteousness. Um, that that simple confidence is very convicting to me. One of the things that uh, we don't have as present in our Christianity today as we should is an awareness that Christianity only makes sense uh, if we die in this life to receive resurrection life. Uh, our confidence is in the victory that Christ has won that guarantees us an eternal prize. And yes, we have the Spirit with us now, with all that that means uh, in terms of giftings, in terms of miracles, in terms of various other things. Um, but it's, at its heart, the gospel only makes sense once we die and receive that kind of that, that reward at the end. Uh, the, the second is uh, the letter from the letter to his uh, benefactor, in which William Montpessant himself is facing death. Uh, he clearly has contracted plague-like symptoms, which we, we now know that he, he survives from. Uh, but he actually writes to his benefactor um, and uh, states that he's made a will um, and that he's going to make this benefactor the executor. Um, <clears throat> and... He talks uh, about his uh, children as distressed orphans. He's that certain that he's going to die. Uh, he says, I'm, I'm not desirous that they should be, be great, uh, the, the favours, but good. And it's my earnest request that they may be brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Sir, I thank God that I am willing to shake hands in peace with all the world, and I have comfortable assurances that he will accept me for the sake of his son. And I find God more good than ever I imagined and wish that his goodness were not so much abused uh, and condemned. Uh, again, that's that's words of someone who has seen, by this stage, probably a couple of hundred people uh, in the village um, to their graves, and indeed his wife. So, so great has the disease come by this stage that they're not burying, and they haven't for a while been burying people in the churchyard, uh, as was the, the custom in order to get have them buried in holy ground, but they're now being buried up uh, on a site on the hills. 
uh, a place you can still visit in in Eam, where where uh, the plague victims were being buried. Um, this is a man who's 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 walked through uh, the darkest uh, valleys, and yet as he faces, he believes his own death. He still says that he finds God more good than ever I imagined, uh, and has that assurance that he'll be accepted uh, for the sake of God's Son, uh, and and that calls us again to to look beyond ourselves. Uh, A lot of rhetoric in our society at the moment um, in this lockdown period is very self-centred about my rights, uh, about what I want, about the life that I want to live. And the sources from Eam, as as they are isolated, whether it was self or or by others, makes little difference to me, Uh, talks about this idea of looking beyond myself, looking to my, uh, my eternal identity first and foremost, because that ultimately is what matters. That's what I can uh, have confidence in. Um, and, and I think as, as we go through this isolation phase uh, and come out of it, hopefully in the coming weeks and months, one of the things I hope that the church will have been challenged uh, to is a greater devotion to their eternal identity. Uh, And when life resumes in all of its busyness and whatever the normality looks like, uh, I hope that we remain challenged to say this life is uh, to be lived in service of others, uh, in love of God and love of neighbour. But my my true identity, uh, the one that I need to have confidence in, is not this life, um, but in the life that has been won for me. Uh, And I think we see that very clearly in these, these sources. Here's the latest coronavirus news in the world and church for the week of May 26th. Under California's Department of Health's recently released guidance, houses of worship are advised to operate at 25% capacity, or a max of 100 people, whichever is lower. The report notes that physical distancing, wearing masks, and frequent hand washing are key prevention practices. It also strongly discourages singing. Activities such as singing and group recitation negate the risk reduction achieved through six feet of physical distancing, the report warns. A German church practiced social distancing and disinfected its building ahead of its May 10th Sunday service. Nevertheless, more than 100 attendees contracted COVID-19 after the gathering, six of whom were taken to the hospital. Church leaders canceled in-person services for the foreseeable future. Brazil has been hit harder by COVID-19 than any other country in Latin America and has also been hit with a travel ban by the U.S. that goes into effect this week. More than 20,000 people have died. In In the midst of this, Rio de Janeiro Mayor Marcelo Crivella, a bishop in the Universal Church of the Kingdom of God, announced that he would include religious institutions in the list of, quote, essential services. This will allow churches to open their doors while practicing social distancing. For more coverage on how the church is responding to coronavirus, please visit the link in our show notes. The COVID-19 crisis is a global one, so we believe it's important to hear from our sisters and brothers in Christ from around the world. Hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Barros from Argentina. I live in Tucumán City. I am a representative of Family Life Ministry working for GRU Argentina. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you so much for the privilege I have to come to you and pray for my country. I pray you can give wisdom to the politics leaders of Argentina so they can guide well the economy, education, health and resources. I pray, Lord, you guide the Christian leaders to communicate the message of hope to a community with fear for the threat of COVID-19. I pray that the quarantine wakes every family up to value the need of relationships, the need of being together and connected, and especially they can feel the need of a relationship with Jesus Christ as a Savior. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer Amid Pandemic is produced by myself, Morgan Lee, along with Matt Linder, Mike Cosper, and Eric Petrick. Please help us spread the word about Prayer Amid Pandemic by sharing about it on social media or recommending it to your friends. The best way for you to help, though, is by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. Our goal is to get to 25 ratings. If you have feedback, please send us an email at podcast at christianitytoday.com or on Twitter at CT Podcasts. We'll see you soon.